long-suffering, kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Who else? Yes, ma'am. Knowledge and finances to start a new business. I, a lot of people just ask for the finances to start a new business. But thank God you're, you need the wisdom and the knowledge to go along with it. God's going to get, do you know what the business is yet? Awesome. Can you tell us that? Or? An independent speech pathologist. Awesome. What a noble uh, goal for the glory of God. May God bless the work of your hands in the name of Jesus. Who else needs a miracle tonight? Yes, ma'am. Health in your... I'm so glad that we haven't given up on Jesus the healer. You know, we thank God that we're, we can believe God for because so many people, I don't, I don't care if you've got four or five people together and you say, who needs a healing miracle? Half that group or more would will raise their hands because people are battling in their body. Amen. Who else? Who's got one? Yes, sir. Young man. Start a ministry in the Philippines. Hallelujah. Powerful, man. May God give you that miracle. Amen. The Lord's going to bless you. Amen. Yes, sir. Finances to build five youth buildings. Praise God. One for here, too. Well, we received, uh, we received five, and uh, I'll add my faith to yours if, if, if mine can be two. No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing you. We, we believe God for you to, to bless boys and girls, kids, all over wherever that is by the grace of God, and one for sure here. Amen. Yes, sir. Just be... Wait, Come on. Wait a minute. Excuse me. You lay hands on me tonight. Lay hands right there. Say, help this butt man. <laughs> man. Just be... You know what he said really was, my summary was, be good to Jesus. Be good to him and Amen. praise him and worship him every day. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That was worth coming for right there. No matter if I got anything to say or not, that's powerful. Who else? Anybody in this section need a miracle? Yes, ma'am. No more student debt. No more student debt. I you know one time... That got on me. You know how many people have student loans? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a major issue in America. And, uh, but one time I, I just got that in my heart about uh, the people in the church. And, and I asked them to write down how much you have in student loans. And, and we put a basket in the front. And, and I said, at the end of the service, I want you to, we're, we're going to pray and we're going to believe God that the Holy Spirit can come in, can move on the student loans and that debt stuff that we owe, right? That, you know, and, and Jesus can eradicate it and take care of it yeah. in, in a fell swoop. There, and I counted the number uh, in my basket. There were hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans that 
that folks that folks owed. And, and, and that's not like spending money foolishly and getting into debt, doing crazy, fleshy, carnal stuff. That's trying to educate yourself and improve yourself and do better. But man, then you're left with the student, uh, student loans. Well, I believe God. To, anybody else owe student loans? I believe, okay. Praise God. Everybody that owns a student loan, owes a student loan, come up here. Let's just do this. Praise God. See what you started? It's a good thing, isn't it? Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to go down the line. I'm going to point at you. You shout out, tell me how much money. How much you need for your miracle, if, if you don't mind doing that. Let's just see. Somebody keep, keep account here. Who's the good accountant? Carrie. Carrie? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Who is? <laughs> Chuck is? <laughs> He's anointed and smart, aren't you, my brother? I am, I tell you. Yeah. All right. You, you got it. You're the adding machine. You, okay. You ready? Three thousand dollars. Sixty thousand. Sixty thousand. Thirty thousand. That you know, most people have more what you got than what she's got, mm-hmm. right? And it's, more they're, on my, they're big. On student loans than I do on my house. More on student loans than you than she does on her house. Mm-hmm. We're going to take care of that in Jesus' name. How, Thirty thousand. Thirty thousand. Wow. Sixty-eight thousand. Thirty-six thousand. Eighty thousand. <laughs> We've blown the adding machine up, man. Two hundred and seventy-seven thousand. Right here, okay. Thirty. Thirty thousand. Thirty thousand. Yours is not hers. It's the same. It's the same. So. Yes, okay, so 30. Just so, 31 times. 337 You got that? Okay, okay. Steve? 10,000. 60,000. How much we got, brother? 407. Four? How much? Are they arguing about it? 434. Anyway. We subtracted a 30. Right. They got yeah. So so how much is it? I had four hundred before tax. About about let's just say a little over four how much? Let's just say four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand. Hallelujah. Yeah, if, if we we're gonna have an auction here in a minute, aren't we, man? All right. Now isn't that amazing? How many folks are here? One, two, three. Nine people, and that creates over $400,000 in student loans. Right. Right. Now, how, I'm going to ask you a question. How much would that help you if, if that got completely obliterated? Totally. Well, I've got bad news, in, but i got really good news. The bad news is I'm not, I can't help you with it. <laughs> but the good news is I think Joe's got the money to cover yeah. everything up here. And I think Joe, (laughs) I'll tell you, if he had it, I'm telling you, man, he would sow it to you. 
I believe God tonight for over $400,000 to minister to these folks. You know the word anointing, the, the, the scripture teaches us that the anointing does two things. When the anointing comes in a room, it looks for these things. Number one, it breaks yokes or destroys yokes. Something, you know, debt is like a yoke around your neck. It, it's, it's like something that holds you and it pulls you along. And so the anointing comes in and destroys the yoke and it rolls away burdens. Now, how, you know, how many know, so not only is debt a yoke, it's a burden. Isn't it? It's a, a burden is a heavy thing. We call a, you know, a, a donkey is a, a beast of burden because we put heavy things. We walk up the side of the hill and make the donkey carry the heavy stuff. But believers are not called to be the beast of burden. We're called, Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, re- give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. We're going to destroy the yoke of everything that's a burden and that's, that's holding you back. Amen. By the anointing. <clears throat> and in the, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that, or take my yoke on you, <laughs> right, that labor and are heavy laden, and, and find rest to your soul. Yeah. That's what, would that be awesome tonight? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, that we're serving a God that has no limitations, as, as the theme says, and that he is able to do that, and he is completely able, with, without any effort on his part, really, he's able to take care of all $400,000. Now, I want everybody in the congregation to stretch your hand out toward these folks tonight. And let's, I want you to pray like it's you that needs the money tonight. And let's believe God by faith that the miracle, we're going to get miracles on this. Father, we claim in the name of Jesus, we pray for supernatural debt reduction. The prophet of God lost his axe head in the water and it went to the bottom and he cried to you, Lord, Lord, I need, I need help here because I borrowed that axe and Lord, you made that iron swim and, be, and then he reached in and took it because it was a borrowed thing. These folks borrowed that money. And I believe, Lord, that that axe head in their life is going to swim and they're going to take it up and we're going to pay every one of these loans off in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. Let's pray in the spirit about these loans. $400,000 destroyed and rolled away as a burden tonight in the name, in the name of Jesus.
Now, I want, let me just say this, and we'll, we'll go further. I, I really think about this. When the anointing comes into a room, the anointing doesn't know what to, that's what the anointing knows to do. When the Spirit of God comes and the anointing comes, it starts looking for burdens. Somebody that's got a burden and it wants to roll it away. Right? That's why it's important to have anointed church services. It's not just so we can scream and shout and get happy and that kind of stuff and sing good. It's because we need burdens rolled away off our life. And we need yokes. So it looks for burdens and yokes of any kind. And it, and it destroys them and will help you for the glory of God. Now let's pray in the Holy Spirit one more time for $400,000. Let's just, because God knows we're praying out. Lord, we're calling on you for debt reduction supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Roll away this burden once and for all. Destroy this yoke of this debt in the name of Jesus Christ. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. Let me say one more thing. Now see these folks turn around. You guys in the line turn and look at these guys. Now you know God could use, the Lord could use you to to help them destroy that yoke. After th- that happened at my church, when we put the when the people came and put their number in the basket on a piece of paper, there were people in the congregation that saw what happened, and uh, I I got two calls within a, a couple weeks from people that said, Pastor, I I I want to pay off so and so's student loan and and just and and paid it off would that be all right if you guys if these guys called you and said called the pastor and said we want to pay that off that'd be all right wouldn't it huh you know what this means tonight yeah i know you wouldn't say no we're going to the right church man if stuff like that'll happen now i'm, I'm sincere i'm having fun there but sincerely obey God these you see these folks and and what even if you can't pay the whole thing off say I'll pay half of it I'll give you you know like in your case it'd be I'll give you fifteen hundred dollars but I think I think she'd receive five hundred dollars toward it and and so it, it could help us amen. amen give these folks a good hand clap thank God for it tonight good job it's awesome you can be seated if you can. You know, the, the moral of that story is it's, it's, it's very expensive to get smart sometimes, isn't it, man? But that's, that's how it is, man. And so we give God thanks. Amen. Thank you for, for that. Did we finish everybody's getting a, who needs a miracle hand raise thing? I think we did. Oh, we got, yeah, I think we got it. You got another one? You okay? All right, good. Well, good to see everybody tonight. How y'all doing? Thanks for coming out on Friday night. It's not as though you didn't have anything to do. I know you're just busy, busy, busy. Life is busy today, isn't it? Isn't it amazing how busy people are? It's, 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 it, and so we, we uh, you know, the, the leaders and pastors, sometimes we, 
we, we get aggravated because people don't come and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we understand people are busy. And so we, we just bless you when you can come and thank you for being faithful and coming on a Friday night. I know you're going to be here on Saturday night and then Sunday morning is going to cap it all off with your pastor sharing the word. So we give God thanks. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to thank God for Pastor Richard and Sharon. This is not, got, he didn't ask me to say anything, but you know, I, I want to congratulate him on what a great run that he and Sister Jolliffe have had for how many years, Pastor? 40 years? 40 years of running the race, and thank God they haven't grown weary in well-doing that their hands are still to the plow. And so we applaud what God's done in your life and in your ministry, and uh, may the best be yet to come for the glory of God. Stretch your hand out towards your pastors tonight. Aren't you glad this is your pastor? He's not, the, the key term there is it, this isn't your, you're not here tonight because he's your friend, you're here because he's your pastor. Now he might be your friend too, but first he's your pastor. I say this, and I, you can put your hand down for one second. Somebody says, uh, well, how do I know which, that I'm going to the right church? Where, do I, where am I supposed to go to church? And I, I, haven't, I think I have a biblical answer about it. John chapter 10 said, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Right? So the, Jesus has, has shepherds that watch his sheep for him. How many know Jesus doesn't live in Wheeler, Michigan and, and do all the stuff that it takes to, to pastor this church? He's delegated that responsibility to them, to Pastor Richard and Sharon, right? How do you find the right church? I, I, I've been saved, this is my uh, 40, um, 48th year as a born-again believer this year. And I've... I've re now, I've pastored different churches, but in, in terms of where did I go to church, I've only gone, I've really only been a part of two churches in my life, other than the ones I pastor. So I'm not counting that. And how, somebody said, well, how did you know which one to go to? I said, well, because it, it was easy. I never went looking for a church. I went looking for my shepherd. That's what I was looking for, my pastor. I was looking for the guy that would protect my soul. I was looking for the guy that would understand Psalm 23, that, that he would anoint my head with oil. That's what I was looking for. I, I, I went looking for a pastor if, that if I was in trouble and a lion and a bear had me and I was on the other side of that wall over there, I don't care if that wall was made out of brick. I was... I, I wanted a man of God that, that if he knew there was a lion and bear had my life and was tearing me apart, that, this, that my shepherd, uh, this, is a kind of, this is where to go to church. You find your shepherd, but I want a guy that's willing, if he had to, to start chewing through that wall to get to me. Yes. Amen? Amen? And get to the other side, no matter how hard that was, and then get a hold, once he got through the wall, he'd take the lion and the bear 
and like David did in that when the lion and the bear tried to get his sheep, he tore them apart. He killed them. That's how you know where to go to church. You find your shepherd. Shout out loud, we found our shepherd. See, I'm, I've, never, I've never gone to a church because they had the right music. They, you, you guys do have good, great music, but I've... You know what? I, I've, I've told this number of times here and all the times I've preached here, but I went to the little twang, twang Pentecostal church when I got saved. They were, they were it was out in the country, was a one-room church, and they were doing twang, twang, you know, music on a Radio Shack little sound system. <laughs> And they were singing songs I'd never heard of. I, I, and I, I, I mean, if you said, did you really like the music there? I never liked one song we did there in all the years I was at that church. I never liked any of them. But I wasn't there for the songs. I don't pick a church they, of, because of that. I don't pick a church because of the great children's ministry. Right? you got a great children's ministry here. But you don't pick a church because... What if, what if Jesus wants you to go to a church? You know, our children's ministry consisted of, the, you know, underneath the pew. We, this is, here's the children's ministry. Hey, Junior, shut up. Get under the chair and don't make a peep until we get done and somebody shouts amen and we start getting up to walk out of here. And by the way, draw a picture of Jesus while you're under there. Hallelujah. That was the children's ministry. There wasn't any nursery. People won't even go Some They'll call, well, you, are we going to have a nursery tonight? What's that got to do with anything? Well, we've got little ones. Well, you know what? Those little ones need anointing too. Shove them under the chair and they'll get in the presence of God. We don't pick a church because of children's ministry or because I like the building or that's my style. We find, listen, it gets really simple to me. You find your shepherd and then go. Somebody say, well, why'd you have two churches then if you found what? Well, because my... The first guy that was my shepherd got out of the ministry. After a number of years, he went through a lot of personal battles and he got out of the ministry. So, so well, that, that was easy for me because in, in the sense of that hurt me for him and it hurt me that I'd have to get another shepherd, but I had to. And, and so then Dr. Barclay became my shepherd and became my pastor. So, amen. So we give God, how many believe Pastor Richard and Sharon would chew through that wall over there if, there, if you were on the other side and you needed help? You believe that? I believe they'd chew right through that wall. If, if Pastor Richard got tired, I think Sharon would keep chewing. And she'd get over there, and I, if I was a lion and a bear that was trying to hurt, hurt you or me, I believe God that Sister Sharon, she would tear, that would be a bad, that'd be the last day that lion and bear ever lived on this earth. Praise God. So we give God thanks, Pastor. 
that you're, that you're here. Aren't you glad you found your shepherd? It's awesome. So we're grateful for that tonight. I want to, uh, I want to, I want you to turn to the book of John chapter three for a minute. And, uh, I want to talk to you about something that we may have discussed a little bit here at one time, but this is, my heart is so stirred on this. Or chapter 2, sorry, not 3, John 2. I want to talk about losing the presence of God. And I want to use this chapter as an opening scripture here. And I want to show you something. John chapter 2. Uh, in this, this is not going to end up being a negative message. This is going to end up shouting ground, but we, but it's 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 a it's it's a wake up thing. It's good for us. It'll be a reality. John two one. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. You know this story. And the mother of Jesus was there. Both, and both Jesus was called and his disciples, or they were invited to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, say out loud, they wanted wine. They wanted wine. Now you know we're going to use wine here as a, an analogy because that's what the New Testament does. It uses wine as an analogy uh, a, a, a picture of the Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Isn't that right? On the day of Pentecost, what happened to them? They, they got filled with the Spirit of God. And how did they act? Real cool, calm and collected? No, they acted like this church had... had this church acts sometimes when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of this place. They started coming down out of the upper room. They were stumbling and staggering. And everybody in the street said, these people, these people are wild. It's early in the morning and they are already filled with wine. Why, look at them, they're drunk. Well, they were filled with wine and it was early in the morning, but it wasn't the kind of wine they were, that everybody thought it was. It was the wine of the Holy Spirit, which, 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 which is the presence of God. Isn't it? They were filled with that. With, with that. And, and these people here at this wedding, when because this is a joyous occasion. At joyous occasions, you'd have wine. Right. At, I, I, how many know church? Church is a joyous occasion. This, you, huh? It's a joyous occasion. And if I'm going to a joyous occasion, I want to be like these, I'm going to be like these people. I'll tell you right now, I, there, I am not going to a dead church. I'm not going to be part of a dead church. Huh? I don't, I, I've been telling our congregation, I'm not even going to preach to a dead church today. Am I? You know? <laughs> No, because this is a joyous occasion. Are you kidding me? 
We get to come together and have that kind of worship and sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, worship the Lord, get, get the miracle working power of God working in our life. That's a joyous occasion to me. Talk about the blood of Jesus and how all our sin is forgiven and cast into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. I don't know about you, but praise God, that's better than even a a great wedding. And so, because this this is a big deal, on a Friday night, you've been invited to... To this, to this meeting tonight. This is a joyous occasion. I hope you didn't have to come. I hope you looked at it like, my God, I get to come. I hope you were at home in the kitchen, marching in the floor, and you said to Mama, Mama, man, church is a couple hours away. I wish it would hurry up and get here. Hallelujah. Because it's such a joyous occasion. Yes, sir. Amen? Amen. And when you have a joyous occasion, you, you, they wanted some wine. Verse 3, and when they wanted wine, or when they, they wanted wine, or they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they don't have any wine. Now, I want, to tell, I want to tell you, I'm talking, I want to preach for a few minutes about losing the presence of God and how individuals all over the body of Christ have, have absolutely, many people have lost the presence of God. Right. They've lost the Spirit of God. Yes. And they've lost the wine of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Isn't that right? Yeah. They have. But listen, it's not just individuals that's done it. Churches all over the world have done it too. And they, they, and you know, they're, they're having a wedding, but they're doing it without wine. The wine of the Holy Spirit. They're having an occasion, but it's without the wine of the Holy Spirit. Shout out loud, I'm not doing it without wine. The wine of, is clarified, the wine of the Holy Spirit, right? We had three people back there that's been coming to this church for a while, but not members yet, but they just now said, I want to become a member of this church. <laughs> Mary, Mary said, verse 3, they don't have any wine. You know, you could say that about a lot of people in a lot of churches today. They, they lost their wine. They, they, they want really good theology. Right. You know the Bible talks about people in the last days that would be heady. Right. Heady. That would, they, they just want a bunch of theological information. Right. right? But they don't want the wine of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, I I'm not doing that. I need, I need some wine tonight. Yes, sir. Listen, I don't want any grief out of you. I drove five and a half hours to get here, didn't we, Pastor Richard Benita? We drove all the way up here. And, and, and I, I, I came for the wine of the Spirit. That's why I came. Because we, we need, I need, listen, I'm desperate for the wine of the Holy Spirit, the presence 
of the Holy Spirit to saturate my life. Amen? Amen. Jesus said to her, to his mother, woman, what have I to do with you? He said, my hour's not come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says, do it. I'm looking for people tonight. This is who I'm preaching to. People that will, will... just get a word from the Lord. Whatever, whatever He tells you to do, that you'll do it. Yeah. And you know why? Because, because, because we're out of wine. We, we need a miracle. We yeah. need more stuff happening to us, man. Yeah. Huh? Whatever He says, do it. I wonder if people will still do that in 2019 in, 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 in so-called... Holy Spirit churches. They, right? And there were set there, verse 6, six water pots of stone. And after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. In other words, that's a, you know, a quantity of water. Water pot was a big old thing. Jesus said to them, How many believe what Jesus said? He said this, fill the water pots with water. Wait a minute. I didn't say I needed water. I said I need wine. And Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. Right? We're out of wine, but fill them with water. And they filled them up to the brim. That's where I'm headed. I'm not looking for a little little touch of the Holy Spirit in my life, I'm, I'm believing Him tonight to fill me up to the brim. Come on. Very good. Huh? Very good. And my brim keeps getting higher and higher and higher. Because I want Him to fill me up. Fill these water pots with water. They filled them to the brim. Verse 8. And He said to them, draw out now. That's what I'm saying to this church tonight. It's time to draw out of that water pot that's yeah. filled with water. Yeah. It's, it's, time, it's, time to, it's, it's time to shout, man, I want some Holy Spirit wine in this house again. Like, like we've never had it before. Come on. Somebody said, you're trying to get back to the good old days. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm telling you, the good old days were nothing compared to what I'm dreaming of. Huh? I'm dreaming for men to see visions and have dreams and old men and children and sisters get in on this and let God begin to show signs and wonders again. That's what I'm going for. I'm looking looking for a day that I've never had before. A revival that we've never seen before. He said to them, draw it out now. How many know you, the preacher's got a part, but we got a part. You got to draw it out. You got to, you got to, Jesus can fill the water pot, but you got to draw it out. We just come anymore and and just sit here and stare at the preacher. You got to draw it out. If there was one thing we had in the, whatever the good old days was for us, Pastor, is that we knew, we knew how to, we could, we could draw it out of a preacher. Right. 
Preachers can be easily manipulated. And I mean that in a positive way. Meaning, it doesn't take a lot. It just takes one person that's drawing out of that preacher's well. One person. And I'll tell you, it's never hard. I've been doing this a long time, Pastor and Sharon have. I, it, I can find that person be, uh, while I'm walking up to the pulpit, usually. I've already, it, I can already tell where that person is. And, and I'll tell you what else I can tell. I can, help, I can tell who they aren't. I can tell when they're just sitting there staring at me. And they're not going to... They, they, they wouldn't drink wine if we passed it out down the thing, man. They're not going to drink any Holy Spirit wine because, you know, we're cool or hip or whatever that means. Well, you might, but anyway. Come on. Good word, man. Draw it out. Say, I'm drawing it out. You got you got to take your ladle and you got to put it in the water pot, brother. Huh? Yeah. And bear unto the governor of the feast and they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine. Now Jesus filled those things up to the brim with water, but he turned them into wine. Right. I, I was reading that not long ago, the other day, last week, I think. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, now, in, when Jesus was there doing a miracle, He took water and changed it and turned it into wine. And you know the story. It, it was the best. It was great, man. He saved the best for last. Right? But the Holy Spirit said to me, don't you ever, talking to me, don't you ever change, and this is what I think a lot of people are doing today. We now in our churches and in our individual lives, we are changing the wine into water. Instead of the water into wine. I, I'll tell you right now, water... You can drink all the water you want to. It's not going to give you the joy of, of, of good wine in the Holy Spirit. You, you can figure out the theology of wine in the New Testament. But it's a, it's a, it's a biblical situation. Yes, so you sir. guys got to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why see, we found the right shepherd that can straighten out the mess that the guest speaker on Friday oh night God. created. Yeah. Don't even tell Pastor Barclay. Dr. Barclay that Pastor Crabb was, was preaching about we all need some more wine. You better tell him the whole thing I said. <laughs> but the wine is the presence of God. You understand what I mean? Jesus turned the water into wine. Jesus takes something natural. Compared to wine, water is weak. It doesn't have the capacity to fill you with joy and fill your heart and satisfy you to the degree that, that wine does. Yeah. Right? But, thank, but Jesus took the water and changed it into the wine. That's, when I, that's why I got in the, in, the, in the Holy Spirit church, man. 
because I was all we had in I grew up in a church that that they would they would try to make us satisfied with only drinking water all the time. There was never any power, never any display, never any gospel preached. It was a dead man's religion. It was a religious experience, and yet all these people would come every week, but nothing ever happened. They never had any miraculous things happen. But when I found the Holy Spirit people, they knew how to let Jesus take water and turn it into wine. Take whatever I got and turn it into something that's better than water. It's the wine of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, like tonight, Jesus could take, if he he would take a, a religious meeting, a church meeting, that's like water, but he would turn it into wine. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes during the service, can't you feel something just happened here? Yeah. Wait, something shifted. Yeah. yeah. Something came in. I, I can tell when the preacher, he, he's preaching and I'm connected, I'm listening, taking whatever I'm doing. But all of a sudden, that preacher will get on something. Yes. And, I can, and all of a sudden, I, something changes in that room. He and, and I change with it, and I, I, I'm drawn out. More. All of a sudden, man, I'm, I got it. Come I get, on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. It, it, happened, it happened tonight in worship. You can feel it when it comes. Yeah. Yeah. We start out singing. We start out just giving, you know, what we got and, and worshiping with these guys, the great team that you have. That's, that's awesome. But that's like the water. Yeah. I don't care how good they are. You know, there's good acts tonight in Las Vegas. Yes. But that doesn't mean anybody gets any wine out of that. Come on. Right? So Jesus turned the water into wine. But people today, I'm concerned about them. Yeah. We're changing the wine back into water. Now, I want to tell you right now, you got the wrong guy. If this is nothing but a water church, you got the wrong guy here. Because this guy right here is desperate for the sweet presence of God every day of my life. Amen? Amen. Now, I told you what I'm going to preach on is losing the presence of God. Churches all over the world and people are doing what I said right there. But we're not going to do it. But I, I, you know, Israel, uh, they had the Ark of the Covenant. Remember the Ark? And what did the Ark, what did that, what was the Ark? What was the purpose of the Ark? It was the presence of God. Because God's presence was there. And the, the ark became, it was the centerpiece of Israel. Everything revolved around it. It was in a, the special place in the tabernacle. But God would show up there. Yeah. That's where he dwelt. Above the, between the cherubims and, and above the, the ark. And God's presence would dwell there. And you know, Israel for a long time, they wouldn't move. 
without, without getting the ark. Yes, sir. Yep. Hmm? They, they, if, if they said, all right, we got to, you know, if the cloud moved, Israel would follow that cloud by day. And when the cloud moved, they, somebody, somebody would, would tell somebody, hey, man, where's, did we, I'm not, I'm not going without God. I'm not going without his presence. So get that. Somebody be in charge of getting that ark and making sure that that ark stays among us. But you know, as time went on, they, Israel, what happened to Israel happened, right? What, What could happen in Israel did happen in that they lost... The presence of God, all of a sudden, one day, they said, you know, we, we know how to do this and, and have a religious meeting. And I think we can do it without that ark. And you know, for years, years and years and years, they had tabernacle worship without the ark. And, the, and, and that's when one day David, when he was the king, David said, wow, man, we're missing something. We're missing something. It's, I, think it, I don't think that's, that's not complaining. That's the right thing to say. Right. We're missing something. We're, he said, David said, you know what it is? I've just realized We've been going through all this religious exercise without the presence of God. Thank you, my brother. Huh? Without the presence of God. And they did it year after year after year. You know, you can get used to doing church without God. You 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 can do church with just water and no wine. And you get used to it because you know how to do it. Why, we know it. How many services have you done as a worship leader, Chuck? I mean, a few. few. (laughs) More than 10, I'd say. We know, they know how to do that. He knows how to do what he does. The ushers know how to do what they do. We know how to give in the, we we can do all that. But without the wine and the presence of God, all of that means nothing. And David finally said, I, he sent some people and said, go get the, get the ark. Go get the presence of God. Go get the wine back in our, in our midst so that Israel can win. And they went and got God back. But I, I want to tell you something. I wrote down, you can write these down. Four, four reasons or ways how people lose the presence of God, churches or people. Number one, they lose their consecration. You know, we we don't preach much on being consecrated to God anymore because we don't want to put any demands on people. But you know, if you're going to serve God, He expects you to be consecrated to him. 
When, when you lose your consecration, tell me, Pastor Crabb, a Bible guy that lost his consecration. That's an easy one. How about my friend Samson? How about Samson? Remember, in Samson, why was Samson strong? Because he had long hair? No, Samson, was, it wasn't about his hair, but his, when Samson was born, Lord told his mother, make him a Nazarite. Consecrate him to me. Give him to me. I want him. And that means, that means he'll never touch strong drink. He'll never touch dead bodies. And just as a sign, he will never cut his hair. So his long hair became a sign of his his dedication and consecration as a Nazarite, right? Well, I'm of the opinion that every New Testament believer is called to be a Nazarite. We're called to be consecrated, separated to God. We don't complain about what we don't get to do anymore. We are excited about how God will, will come upon us. Now, you know, Why would Samson do that? Well, he would do it because when the presence of God would come on him, he was the strongest guy in town. When the Spirit of God, when the wine of the Holy Spirit would come in him and come on him. he Remember that time he, he, he went out and caught, how many foxes was it that he caught? 300 foxes. I don't even know how do you begin to catch 300 foxes with your bare hands. I'm I'm not even sure about that. And he got them all and tied their tails together. I mean, this is this one bad brother here, man. Huh? Then set their tails on fire and sent them into the right into into the harvest, the was it corn, I think. Of the, of the Philistines and burned up the crop. One day he was, he was up on a hill and it says he got ticked off at somebody and just went up and tore the, the, these giant city gates. He just tore them, hinges and all. He tore them right off the thing and carried them away. He, he saw a lion on the road once, you know that story, and he, and he tore that lion with his bare hands. Because the Spirit of God came on him. And that was his calling. I don't mind the consecration that I got to have with God as long as I get strong when I need to be, when the Holy Spirit comes on me. Say consecration. You got to be dedicated. You got to be consecrated. But Samson, you know, it's one of the saddest stories in the Bible. Because the strongest guy that had more of the spirit on him than than anybody at the time, he became, you know what he did? He laid his head in Delilah's lap. And she started asking him, what's the secret of your strength? And, you know, he, all that, you know that story. And and eventually, the, the Bible says that she she, he told her, he finally he told her. That's why, how many young people, how many not married here? You're not married yet. Huh? All right. 
I want to I say to everybody that's not married, don't, don't marry anybody that won't be consecrated to God. Don't do it. You marrying them won't turn them into a consecrated believer. Huh? You don't marry them. Just don't do it. And if you, if you get all, I do this at all the weddings I do. But before I go out, I get in the, with the men before we come out. And I tell the guy, if you're not absolutely positive this girl's a consecrated believer, then I'll tell you what I want you to do. Go out that door and run out the back door and run down the hill and I'll go out and preach a little bit and receive a missionary offering at this wedding. <laughs> but don't marry her. Samson laid his head in the wrong girl's lap. And, and you know, I was thinking about that. Well, what was the matter with Delilah? Well, and it says he loved her. And I'm sure she was gorgeous. But you know what? Delilah didn't have the same consecration that Samson had. She was from a different camp. Huh? I want to be in, I want to, if I'm in the Holy Spirit camp and we're drinking spiritual wine, then I want to marry a girl that'll, that's, that's drinking the Holy Spirit wine with me. Samson got mixed up with Delilah and, you know, laid his head in her lap. They, she, they, he told her the secret of his strength. Basically, he said it was his hair, but it was his consecration. He lost his consecration, and as a result, he lost the presence of God. But here's what it says about Samson. It says, but Samson shook himself like he usually did when he got ready for the Holy Spirit to come on him. But the Bible says he, he had lost his strength because he, he had lost his consecration. Isn't that right? So number one, there's a lot to say about that. You, you can lose the presence of God because you lose your consecration. Number two, you lose the presence of God out of disobedience. Number three, you lose the presence of God when you start substituting other things for the presence of God. Yes. That's good. You hear me? Yes, sir. You, you can't substitute. Nothing will do. Nothing. Nothing will do but the presence of God. Huh? And then number four, you, you neglect the presence of God. You, that's how you lose him. Now, I want to show you real quick. I'm almost done. Let me show, I want to show you a chapter here in Luke chapter 2, real quick. Now, <clears throat> Luke chapter 2. Say out loud, I'm not losing the presence of God. I'm not going to do it. I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to stay consecrated, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay obedient. I'm never going to substitute anything for his presence, right? Isn't that amazing that we would even try to substitute stuff for his presence? Right? And I'm not going to neglect him. Now, let me show you. This, this is really good here. This some good verses here. 
How many, you know, <clears throat> Mary and Joseph were Jesus' mother and dad. Isn't that right? Mary and Joseph, their whole story is wild. You think you got a wild story. Can you imagine Joseph when Mary came to him and said, uh, I'm pregnant, but I, but I haven't been with anybody. I don't know about you, but that really easy could sound like a made-up story. Right. <laughs> you, but Joseph, Joseph is, I think he's one of my heroes in the New Testament. He lived through it, man. He, he I mean, he, there's a little bit of stuff, but generally he said, okay, well, now what do we do? She said, well, you know, so, you know, the story, Mary gets pregnant. How did Mary get pregnant? She was a virgin, yet she got pregnant. It started out with a miracle, man. And, and she gets pregnant by the Spirit of God. And, and Mary and Joseph knew that. You know, Joseph knew it because he knew he'd, he'd done nothing. Right. And Mary knew it because she knew she did nothing. Right? She was engaged to him, Joseph. But she got pregnant by the Spirit of God. Now, listen to this. So they knew who, and they watched him when he was young. He, I, I don't know what raising Jesus was like, but it must have been a trip. He's smarter, he's way smarter than you are, Dad. I mean... He's, this is the Word of God, made flesh. I don't care if it, how old, the, how, how young he is. And so my point is, they knew that. They knew what G, where he, the whole deal. But I want to show you what they did. I'm talking about losing the presence of God. I'm going to land this plane right here. Look at these verses. Luke 2, 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So Mary and Joseph would walk. You know, they lived up at way up north. They would go, they would walk down to Jerusalem. That's a pretty good journey when you're on a donkey or walking or whatever it was. And every year they'd go to Jerusalem. Watch this now. And when he was, now look at verse 42. When he was 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, in other words, after the feast of the Passover, as they returned, watch it now, as they returned, in other words, when they turned and they started walking home, the child Jesus, look at what verse 43 says. It says he tarried, or he lingered behind in Jerusalem. Now here's, but this is the part that I want you to see. But Mary and Joseph knew it not. Now wait a minute. What do you mean? They, okay, they didn't know it. 
Now, why, how bad was this? I'm going to show you how bad this is because it can happen to you. It can happen to me. It could happen to this church or any church, my church. Okay? Jesus tarried behind, and they didn't know it. Look at verse 44. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, they, they thought he was. And they just assumed that he was. They Look at, look at this now. This, this is shocking. They went a day's journey. Now, you know, I would hope. You know how you got to be as a parent today when you go to a mall? Right? You, you know, remember the, you know those beasts in, in the book of Revelation says they got eyes all around their head. That's, that's, that's biblical parenting. You got to have, you got to, with kids, you got to have eyes all around your head. And mothers and people do. Because you never take your eyes off those kids. You know what they're doing. You know where they are. And, and, but here's what shocks me. Mary and Joseph walked for a day. Right. A whole day. They walked. And they still didn't know he was gone. And they just thought, well... He's somewhere in, this, in, in, the, in the crowd. It's almost like church folks anymore with the Holy Spirit. We're marching on, doing church, and the presence of God is lingering over here. And yet we're marching on because we got somewhere to go. We got to get a bunch of people in here. We got to double the attendance. Plant a satellite church. We got to do this and do that. Well, wait a minute. The most important thing is lingering right back there. And here's what's shocking to me. And they did not know it. That's what concerns me. Not just that I could lose the presence of God, but that I could lose Him and not know that I have lost him. They, verse 44, supposing him to have been with the company, went a whole day's journey. Now my mother, I don't know. Well, let's wait just a second on that. They, and look here. And they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. In other words, in the rest of the group that was walking toward their hometown. And when they found him not, now here, this, it, it takes a turn for good right here. When they found him not, look at this, they turned back again to Jerusalem looking for him. Right. I'm believing God for a bunch of people that have been having religious church without the presence of the Holy Spirit, to finally look around and say, where's, where's our son? Right. I thought grandma had him. Right. I thought so-and-so. I thought the pastor was supposed to watch him. I thought this. I thought that. But they, when they couldn't find him, I like what they did. They turned around, and they headed back to Jerusalem. Yes, sir. 
Somebody said, where are you going, Pastor Crab? I'm heading back to where, the, where Jesus is. Back to where the presence of God is. I'm not trying to get away from Him. I want to go where He is. I want to... Now, look here. Here's what's amazing. So they walked an entire day. So, you know, all day long they walked. Right? Then they realized... Uh, I wonder where our son is. So it's, he's, he's not around. So they made up their mind to turn and let's go back to Jerusalem. I believe this church is headed back to Jerusalem to look for Jesus again. And, and I don't, not that we've lost him. I'm just, just this, just the concept that's happening to, to many, many places. Watch this now though. It's, it's, it, it almost gets worse. When they found him not, they turned back to Jerusalem seeking him. So that if, they had, if they walked one day north, well, what, they couldn't go to, the, go to a, the plane, right, to the airport. Right. I mean, they had to, so they had to walk back. Well, there's one day away from him. Then there's a whole nother day that they had to walk back. I don't know about you, but I, I'll tell you, I was thinking about my mom when I thought about this. I thought, man, I would hope that it wouldn't take my mother. Wow. I don't know. The, the house just seems different today. I don't know what it is. What do you think it is? I don't know. Well, I would hope that it wouldn't take them a day to figure out I'm lost. Then they walk all the way back. So there's Jesus. So Jesus is on his own. I know he made the world, but it's still their kid. He's 12 years old, man. They turn back seeking him. Now look at verse 46. This is even gets wilder to me. And it came to pass that after three days, my God, they lost Jesus for three days. A 12-year-old. They lost him. What? I mean, if I was a kid and my mom and dad were, just left me somewhere for three days, I wouldn't feel the love. I wouldn't feel the mother's love and the father's love. I'd be like, where's my mom? My dad. They've, they've just left me. But watch this. After three days, they found him in the temple. You know, so that means if they walked north one day, they walked back another day, and they looked all over Jerusalem for another day. After three days, okay? So here's, here's my point about that. They were, where did they go looking for? Well, let's see. Should we, maybe we should go to the mall. I heard they got a lot of activity at the mall. Let's look for him at the mall. They went to the, I guess, they spent all day looking for him. One whole day. Walked one, walked back two, 
looking for him three. So I don't know, where do you go? The mall? The library? I don't know. They looked, but I'll tell you, they looked all over for him for an entire day. And finally, I don't know if it was Mary or Joseph. How many know the, the sister? It's probably the sister. Wouldn't you think, how many sisters believe it was Mary that figured it out? I'll tell you where I think he is. He's at the house of God. I, I would be, okay, now this, listen to how amazing humans are here. Even Mary and Joseph. So Jesus is in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, hearing them and asking questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, so they finally, you know what they finally did? They came back to church. When they saw him, they were amazed. And it, here's, this is a shocking statement to me. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you dealt thus with us? In other words, son, how could you do this for us? I'd be like, oh, uh, I'm 12. <laughs> I didn't lose you. I'm not supposed to be watching you. I'm the kid. I'm 12. You are supposed to be watching me. Come on. So, she, I mean, I would hope that my mother, after losing me for three days, yeah. that the first thing she saw me, she was amazed, and then started yelling at me, said, how could you do this to me? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't want... See, Mary, if that can happen to Mary and Joseph, it could happen to me. I wonder how, my, how long I've marched and he's not been with me. But I made up my mind. I'm going back to Jerusalem. I'm going back to wherever yeah. I, whatever I got to do. Yeah. That's the way the church used to be. We'd, I'd, I'd go wherever, where, wherever he was, I'd get in there. I've been, to church, I've been to church in basements of houses, barns, carpet stores, junky places. I've preached in basements. I've preached in upper places. I mean, I, I've, where, but wherever he is, that's where I want to be. That's where, and I want to make sure I got him. And here's the, here's the point. I, I'm responsible for making sure he stays with me. Yeah. Not him Right? With me, I gotta I gotta make sure I know where he is. Or if he isn't, I gotta know that it, I gotta know if he's there or not. I we don't always have some wild service that'll you know blow your hair backwards if you have any, you know. We don't have sometimes it's sometimes it does it's like it's it's like plowing, it's hard. 
But sometimes that's just the way it is. But I'll tell you this, I want a church full of people that know the difference in doing this with him and doing it without him. And we don't, we're not going to always hit a home run in our services. But praise God, I want us to know when we haven't done it and when the presence of God isn't there. I thank God tonight for this church. This church has been a guardian of the wine of the Holy Spirit. This church has been a guardian of the move of the Holy Spirit. And I want to challenge you. I think this is what happens when... When guys get older, you just start yelling at people after a little while. <laughs> hey, man, I want to challenge this church. You be a guardian over the Holy Spirit. The young people can't count on the older people to do it. The older people can't count on the younger people to do it. Come on. The children can't count on anybody. We all have to do it. Yeah. And we all have to say, Lord... Thank you for the wine of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for changing my water into wine. Thank you, Lord, that I will never, by the grace of God, turn your wine back into water and have regular religious exercises. Let's put our hands toward heaven. Go on, jump up. I know you've been sitting a long time. Jump up and let's put our hands toward heaven. Let's give God thanks tonight. Chuck, will you, can you come, my brother? Father, in the name of Jesus, I dedicate myself to you tonight. Lord, that I will be a guardian in the house of God to make sure that I never, like Samson of old, lose the anointing and lose the presence of God. That I'll never be Amen, like Mary and Joseph were those three days. I'll never lose the presence of God and not know that I've lost Him. Lord, I thank You for helping us tonight in the name of Jesus. I thank You for this consecrated crowd tonight. And I thank You. If you want to make sure that you never lose the Holy Spirit, I want you to get out of your seat, run to this altar up here, and let's call out on the Lord, and let's, let's cry out to Him, and say, Lord, we need the wine of the Spirit tonight in our life. We need to draw out tonight the wine of the Holy Spirit. We need the presence of God in our life.